Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The question is this morning, Keyshawn and Jay, which call are we talking about? Are we exactly. talking about the Middleton call, which allowed Chris Middleton to hit three free throws to tie it? The Heat were up last night in this game. Six points with 19 seconds to go. It shouldn't have been a mad scramble to the finish. Key. I'm cool with the Middleton call. I'm cool with that. that was a three-pointer. He made I'm all cool three with it time. because he kind of forced it by leaning in. So he kind of helped the referee make that decision. But the, the Giannis call, that one was like bogus. So Jimmy Butler. Like I need to dive, dive into the referee and find <laughs> out. <laughs> What you got on that, man? But it's, it's actually interesting you bring that up because Mark Davis, Jay, as you know, one of the more controversial NBA reps, he made the call. If you didn't see the game last night, Keyshawn, Jay, Will, Zubin, Giannis fouls Jimmy Butler with no time on the clock. Jimmy <sighs> Butler hits both free throws, and by that margin, it's a 116-114 win. The Heat are up 2-0 on the Bucks. But I'm glad Key brought that up because all over social media last night and for hardcore NBA fans that actually follow the refs. There are some people out there like that with the conspiracy theories and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Davis is one of those guys that likes to let you know I'm out here tonight, fellas. It, it just, <clears throat> I, I feel like first off, like Miami just was trying to give the game away to Milwaukee. I mean, I don't know what kind of turnover that was. You and I were talking, about, talking about, about the Jimmy Butler? The Jimmy Butler turnover. I think he got trapped in the corner and he, he, Here's my thing. he, he never panicked run, a little bit, right? right? But Jimmy Butler's a vet. You never run to the corner because then you can use the sideline and the baseline as extra defender. Like, that's the prime but position he, for us to get But did he to. run to the corner? Yeah. Was the ball – did the ball – I don't remember. Did the ball he, slip he, over No, there? he kind of naturally gravitated towards the corner to catch the inbound pass. Okay. Anyway, you turn the ball over. I just don't get – you know, the, the three-point <laughs> shot – you know, if Chris Middleton is leaning into a shot, you have Goran Dragic, who's been destroying people, by the way. Straight up and down like a ladder. The, the dragon. He's just vertical, right? So you make that call. The game goes in overtime. Like, that's a big call. It's a huge call. Huge. You're saying, okay, like that was, man, you don't have to make that call. And then see how he made that call. And then on the opposite end, Giannis just kind of brushing him, kind of tapping him. Now, look, if Giannis had tapped him in the place you shouldn't tap him, which happens on the basketball court, all the time, by the way. Think about it. When you go to shoot up a jump shot, mm-hmm. you are exposed. People come with that little flick. Boom. You know what I'm talking about. Flick yeah, you in the wrong yeah. area. You, get, you pinch down. It takes all your focus away from shooting the shot. Giannis just kind of brushed him on the side, tapped him in the stomach. Jimmy's going to fall down automatically. He's trying to get you to make that call. Right? But that's not a call. You don't let, you don't let a, a game like this of this caliber put Jimmy Butler at the free throw line with nobody at the free throw line with no time left to win the game. No, you don't let make the game that go to overtime, man. No, you don't make that call. That that. You just, like Jay is saying, you go to overtime. I mean, you just do. I just hate I, when the refs make the game about them instead of letting the players make the game about them. I absolutely thought that he didn't give him enough room in the beginning, so that's why they made the call. But once you saw the replays and going back and forth, all he did was touch the dude in the midsection. Yeah. Like, he didn't even, like, he touched him. After the shot. After, the ball was gone. Yeah. It was already goosenecked. And so you sit there and you go, okay, so what is this? You know, I ain't no conspiracy guy like that, but what is this? I am. I'll be the guy on the show. We'll see. We'll see. It's 2-0. First time a 5 C's ever been up 2-0 on a 1 seed in the history of the NBA playoffs. We'll talk more NBA in just about 11 minutes or so with Tim Legler. But first, let's go from A to Z. Okay, so just to recap, essentially what the guys were talking about, big, huge spot for the Miami Heat, big win over the Milwaukee Bucks, 116-114. Again, a couple questionable calls down the stretch, none bigger than Giannis fouling Jimmy Butler with no time on the clock. Butler hits both. It's over, 
And Miami <clears throat> is showing the toughness that you guys said Pat Riley and Coach Spo have been instilled since day one. This is a tough spot here for the Bucks. We'll see what happens. They obviously now need to win four of the next five. That wasn't the only wild game last night in the association. Really strange, strange finish between the Thunder and the Rockets. James Harden was having a terrible game, four for 15, one for nine from deep. But at the end, one of the great offensive players of his generation, of his era, came up with a huge partial block on a shot by Lou Dort of the Thunder. And as a result, the Rockets win. They will go on to face the Los Angeles Lakers. Game one of that series, Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. So we got the conference semifinals set. Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers, Rockets. And a somber note. Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Seaver died Monday at the age of 75 of complications from Lewy body dementia and COVID-19. Seaver led the Amazons to the World Series in 1969. They won it three Cy Youngs, dozen times he was an all-star. And when he was enshrined in Cooperstown in 1992, he went in with 98.84% of the vote. And the reason I dragged that number out so far is because it was at that time, the highest election percentage for anyone that's been inducted. Obviously, you know another great New York pitcher, Mariano Rivera, did go in with 100%. But Tom Terrific, way before Tom Brady had that nickname, it was given to Tom Seaver, who has died at the age of 75. Let's bring in ESPN baseball analyst and resident historian Tim Kirkshin. Tim, I would imagine because of when Seaver pitched, I mean, the three guys on this set weren't even born when he was in his heyday. I would imagine most of our audience is in the same boat. So first things first, just from a macro level, take us inside who Tom Seaver really was and what he meant. Well, he was the greatest Met ever, and there is not a close second on that. For me, he's one of the 10 greatest pitchers of all time. He won three Cy Youngs. And when you look at his wins, 311 ERA, 286 strikeouts over 3,500, the only pitcher in history that can match those three numbers was Walter Johnson, who's generally considered the greatest pitcher of all time. Tom Seaver struck out 10 batters in a row. No one in history has ever done that. And they were the last 10 batters of the game, which just showed you he was throwing just as hard in the ninth inning as he was in the first inning. And Zubin, I was 12 when the Mets won in 1969. I understood what I was watching. It was breathtaking how good he was, 25-7 and that year. The Mets weren't even supposed to be any good, and he carried them to a world championship. He totally captured that town. His pitching motion was unmistakable. To, To throw that hard with that kind of precision, with a great slider, was amazing. That back knee used to drag against the mound. The classic drop and drive pitcher, and you're right, Zubin, there's only been one Tom Terrific, and man, was he something else. Tim, will we ever see another guy even close to that? I mean, I, Kershaw's there, but is he close to that? Well, Kershaw's had years to match that of Tom Seaver. But let's understand, Kershaw, for all his greatness, has 25 complete games. And Tom Seaver had 231 complete games. Huh? This is how the, this is how the game is played now. This is not Kershaw's fault, but back then you started, you finished what you started. Famous Game Four of the '69 World Series. Tom Seaver beat the Orioles two to one. He pitched all ten innings, and there was no doubt he was going to pitch the whole game. This is how it worked back then when guys said, "Give me the ball, and I'm not coming out." 
until the game is over. That's how it used to work, and that's why Tom Seaver was so great, is that he was the ultimate horse who would go out there and finish what he started. Tim, we've all heard about his greatness on the field, but what was it about him off the field that people really don't know? Well, he was really smart. He did the New York Times crossword puzzle every day, and apparently nobody was better at it than him. But he just understood who people were. One of my favorite moments of my entire life was the Hall of Fame 15 years ago on the Saturday night before the Sunday induction. And Tom Seaver was with me and my son Jeff, who at the time was 11, and with our pal Gus Ramsey and Gus's dad, Wally. And they were like the biggest Seaver fans because they grew up in Greenwich when Tom Seaver lived there while he pitched for the Mets. Tom Seaver gave us 30 minutes that night. He told us story after story. He made us laugh. He made us feel important. And when my son told him he's going to sleepaway camp for the next day, Tom Seaver pulled $100 out of his wallet, gave it to my son, and said, can I come with you? That's how <laughs> playful he was. That's how worldly he was. That's how much he understood where he was and what he was doing which is why he was such a great star in New York, is he was able to recognize where he was and what was happening. Tim, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but are the Mets going to do anything like extra special? Well, Keyshawn, this is another real problem and real sadness about COVID-19. Is that yes, the Mets have to celebrate this guy and yet they won't be able to do it properly without the fans in the stands. The fans in the stands make such a difference. I had two Mets fans text me last night, literally, literally in tears about the loss of Tom Seaver. That's how much he meant to people, certainly of my age, who grew up watching him pitch. Mm. And again, he was just so good with people and so understanding of how things worked that uh, the Mets will have a giant ceremony for him, but you have to wait until people get in the stands for that. So let's hope it, hope it happens next year, but the next home game, there'll be some sort of celebration of his life because he deserves every bit of it. Tim, is there a pitcher in baseball or somebody that's played before, maybe retired, that reminds you of how he pitched or his demeanor? Well, certainly Roger Clemens was that big and threw that hard and was awfully durable, not as durable as Tom Seaver. But there there really isn't anybody today that reminds me of him, even though the stuff today is just as good as the stuff from our best pitchers that Tom Seaver had back then. But again, his understanding of pitching, he wasn't just a hard thrower with a great slider. He had an understanding of what pitching was like, which a lot of our pitchers today, frankly, don't have. So the question is, will there be another Tom Seaver? My guess is there'll never be another Tom Seaver. And 50 years from now, we'll still be talking about him as the greatest Met ever. I think that's the highest compliment you can give somebody. There will never be another person like him. Really appreciate the perspective this morning, Tim. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tim. Okay, guys. See you. By the way, uh, Tim is too modest to say this, but that 11-year-old boy that went to sleepaway camp, his son Jeff, is actually now a sports talk radio host himself. Mm. Shout out to wow. Jeff. He is in the media as well. Loves baseball as much as his father. I want to ask you about this, um, Key, because you know, you know better than anybody. If you're great, you're great. You can stand out anywhere. And 
the idea, though, is pervasive that if you're great in New York, it takes you to a whole nother level. The numbers on Tom Seaver speak for itself. But to bring an organization that had been a laughing stock really up until 1969 and then to do it in this town where we are sitting here with all this attention and all this media. I mean, you played for the Jets. You know it. Uh, it's an amazing feeling when you can be on the top you can be in the top of the world in this town. No, it is. And, and, you know, I always, this is why I love New York and I love their fans. Some of them were a little wacky, but tough on you. A little, <laughs> little, no, not necessarily tough on me, but they're unrealistic expectations they're a lot of times. And fanatics. so and that's okay. Fans are fans. Um, but if you're doing the damn thing in this town, yeah. you, you're good. I mean, you're on top in the pressure that comes with it. I, you know, back then I'm sure the media was, even more crazy than they are today uh, because it was, you know, a handful of newspapers. There was no social media. They so they were the really, narrative. they were really working their right. tails off to get stories done and competing against each other. Uh, you know, I went to an AFC championship game mm-hmm. and New York jet fans, except Evan and Seth Markman all treat me like I won a Super Bowl to this day. Our producer and you one know, of our people that runs football it, here they, at ESPN. Yeah. It's like, <clears throat> You know, you go somewhere, it's like, oh, man, I remember that game and this, that, and the other about the Jets. It's just like it feels good because they respect what you did. Then you got some other people that are delusional. <laughs> I, I just feel like if you can win here, you can win anywhere. I mean, Frank Sinatra said it perfectly, correct? And when you think about Tom Seavers, obviously I, I, wasn't, I wasn't around, uh, but every time I hear his name mentioned, it's always associated with greatness. And it kind of reminds me, not to compare him to a legendary Yankee, but it's also like, you know, this city will protect you if you're one of their greats, right? To a certain degree, especially if you do right by people, you do you're right by Jeter media. Talking talking Yeah, about? talking about DJ. Yeah. I was about to go there. Like Derek Jeter is always, you know, doing the right thing. The people captain. Love the captain, right? Like you are, you, you are ingrained in the legendary status of this city for the history. Well, if you win in big cities in general, New York, L.A., Chicago, you like, that's it. I mean, you treat the same people in L.A. the same way that are the superstar athletes that have delivered that yeah. passion in winning. Is it the same way in L.A., though, Key? Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. just kind of feel like and you have more L.A. than I do, but I, you know, I spent a couple of years out there. I, I feel like there is so much going on like between star power and, no. and, and movies and actors. Give me, like, give me a top athlete. I'll tell you how he treated. That's no, I'm with you. Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Shaq. I mean, they're, you know, they all won in L.A. delivered. And so the cap, Kareem, and then when you think about, you know, baseball, you think about uh, the Bull Hershiser, you think about uh, uh, Fernando Valenzuela, Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda. Sorry, yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, it's big. You win. It's big. In, in New York, it's big as well. In, in Chicago, Chicago, obviously, Michael yeah. Jordan, you know, that's whatever different it level. is. Yeah, it's a level. different deal. But big cities embrace their stars that win. And that's just what it is. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting small businesses with specialized coverages for commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Let's talk a little hoops. Hoops. Will the one seed go down to zip? To Middleton, launches a three, and he's fired. We are tied at 114. Butler against Matthews gets it away, and no good. A foul is called. And the Heat take a 2-0 lead over the team with the best record in the NBA. 
Sure. Best record. Probably back-to-back MVP. Already Giannis has been named the Defensive Player of the Year. But mm. what is it all going to matter? Just another example why numbers don't mean much. Giannis was one assist shy of a triple-double uh. in Game 1. He had another monster game last night, 29-14. and 14. But, Jay, here they are. They're halfway home to being eliminated. A reminder that the Bucks have not been to the finals since 1974. Just a horrible matchup for the Bucks, just with the spacing and the three-point shooting that Miami has. And I will say this, like, you know, Giannis... It's not like Giannis is a villain. Giannis is the superhero that you, you wish you wish that he had more around him to help him get there. I mean, even Richard Jefferson last night saying that he's more of a Scottie Pippen. Look, I, I, I think we are just watching evolution in real time of Giannis. His jump shot has gotten better. Um, you can question Chris Middleton. Does he need a better number two or more pieces around him? But it, what, what the Miami Heat are doing right now, and I didn't, I didn't think they would be able to do it the way they've been able to do it. But Jimmy Butler is, um, even though he had 13 points last night, you felt his presence on the court. No doubt. As Embiid tweeted, if, well, we'll never really know. Let's go to the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Let's bring in ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler. Tim, I want you to kind of take us through for fans that uh, weren't there to watch it last night. Essentially a controversial call that allowed Chris Middleton to tie the game with three free throws. And then just what we were speaking of, a controversial call on Giannis on Jimmy Butler that allowed the latter to go to the line, hit two free throws with no time on the clock to win. There's a ton of criticism on the Giannis call. What did you make of both of them? All right, well, first of all, the, the, the Dragic call, I didn't like. In, in, in real time, it was hard to tell if he was still moving forward like and not allowing Chris Middleton the space to come down. But the, when I saw the replay, I said to myself, my goodness, you can't teach technique any better than that. He went pretty much... 99% vertical. His chest was a little bit forward, but his arms did not move forward at all. You can't do it any better if you drag it in that situation. That's a really tough way uh, to get a call and allow them to tie the game. On the other end of the floor, I understand why people are so upset. You don't want to see a game end that way, and it was not a lot of contact, and it didn't affect the shot. All of those things are true. But here's the thing I want to point out to people. If you watch that replay, when it slows down especially, Giannis Antetokounmpo puts his left hand on Jimmy's side for one reason, because all of his weight and momentum was going in that direction. And if he doesn't put his left hand on his like rib cage, basically to brace himself, there is no question in my mind, his right shoulder or forearm or hip are going to hit Jimmy Butler much harder than his left hand did. So the fact that he was basically stopping himself from hitting him. And if he doesn't touch him on the side, He's going to hit him, and it's going to be an obvious foul then. So you make contact with a shooter when he's in the air, and I know people don't want to hear it, but it's a finesse act. And if you touch a guy when he's in the air, it's really difficult to argue that it's not a foul. You, you know, you're protecting jump shooters from contact once they leave the ground, and Giannis touched him. And like I said, he really was preventing himself from fouling him much harder. Um, and if he doesn't do that, there's no doubt he's going to hit him. With his, with his forearm or his right shoulder, and then we're not even talking about this right now. Tim, I'm one of those guys that feel that way. Like, it, it looked like to me, and I understand what you're saying, he, he needed to uh, support himself from actually running into him and making it even worse, but shouldn't that be okay? He's not trying to injure him. He's trying to protect him. Well, I, I guess, Key, you know, the thing for me is, and look, understand I'm a shooter, so I'm, come, I'm part of that club, so I'm protected shooters right here. But here's the thing. If, if, you, if you're going to say, okay, you know, a little bit of contact's okay on a shooter, I mean, where, where does that stop? Is it, is, is it different if but he the, ran by and brushed him on his, on his shoulder? Or how about if he just ran by and tapped his elbow just a little bit? Is that okay, too? Because that stuff, 
all can dramatically affect the shooter's ability to finish his shot off. Ball gone, though. Um, Ball out of his hand, already gone. Ball was already at the bucket. I, I understand that, but but for a shooter, the process of shooting, it, it's all the way through where if your momentum is stopped in any way, it's going to affect that. Uh, you know your ability to get your full weight through that. I think that's the reason they called the Middleton foul, honestly, because they felt like he couldn't finish his shot off by coming down without a little bit of contact on the part of Dragic. And I think that's why they made that call in that situation, too. Look, I think more than anything, people are just irritated. You watch a great basketball game, and now we're going to decide it like this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why people get upset. And I, I totally feel that. Believe me, that's the last thing I wanted to be talking about. I want to talk about either Butler makes that shot to win it or, hey, let's go to overtime and play five more minutes. I'd love to break down overtime. But I'm just saying, for me, and in, in real time, the referee's looking at that, and he's seeing – uh, any kind of contact with a guy on a game-winning shot, on a jump shot, and you're in the air, and a guy's running by you as defender and closing out, and there's any contact at all, you're just making it easy for them, and you're opening it for interpretation to be able to call it without being questioned. And that's exactly what happened. Legs, I, I, I hate to triple down on this same subject matter, but when uh, you know, because I, I watched the game last night, and I watched it again this morning. I'm, and, you know, I know you do an incredible job touchscreen and breaking down games and watch a ton all the time, too. Uh, actually, looking at it, so Mark Davis is on the sideline behind the play, right? Yeah. So Giannis's back is to Mark Davis facing him. Now, Jimmy Butler's shooting. There is Scott Wright, who is uh, Sean Wright, excuse me, is the other uh, referee. He is on the baseline looking at the action. Why wouldn't that be Scott? Why wouldn't that be Sean Wright's call? Why would Kev, why would Mark Davis, who's behind the play, how would he be able to see the hand on the side of Jimmy Butler? From that angle. Well, That's to be the honest with you, to be honest with you, Jay, the baseline official in that situation, you know, Jimmy Butler's body is is kind of blocking him from seeing Giannis's hand touch him. And there's another defender there also that may have obscured his ability to see that because Giannis comes sort of flying by him and closes out. You know, his left hand is very tight into his own body and barely touches him. So if you're thinking about it, if you're standing on a baseline, you have to almost look through Jimmy Butler's body to see that hand on his ribs, whereas the other official had a little bit of a, of a, of a cleaner look at that. Hmm. So it's, a, it's just incredibly unfortunate. Um, and, and, and look, who knows what happens in overtime, but the you know, Milwaukee Bucks basically get prevented a chance to tie this series up in overtime by winning a five-minute period. Um, and so now they've got themselves in an 0-2 hole, and, and I think it's an insurmountable. I picked the Heat to win the series regardless, but now – 2-0, are they going to beat that team four out of five times? I think the Heat are the smartest team in the league. I think they're the best passing team in the league. Mm-hmm. And they have ways to solve um, you know, big moments with guys that can take the ball anywhere on the court. Butler, Dragic, both of those guys, honestly, I trust more in a big situation against a half-court defense to make great decisions and score wherever they have to than either Antetokounmpo or Middleton. And honestly, that to me, that's the biggest impediment to the Bucks winning this series. Not not that call at the end of the game, although it's just incredibly unfortunate timing. I agree with you, Legs. Jimmy Butler is incredible. And, and the dragon, Goran Dragic, you played with Steve Nash for a while too, Zubin. He, he's next level. Yeah, 34 years old. Dragic has done a great job. And Butler has talked about how much he enjoys playing with him. Great double dose last night of NBA drama. Tim tonight, Raptors, Celtics, Nuggets, Clippers. Really appreciate you being here this morning. Thanks, Legs. My pleasure, gentlemen. All right, Anytime. Legs. 
Great stuff. Tim Legler brought to you by Five Hour Energy Shots, Energy on the Go. Still to come, a Hall of Famer, one of the best defensive players of his era, certainly one of the best players that ever played for the Baltimore Ravens, weighs in on Lamar Jackson and what we need to see from the MVP this year. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zubin, just wanted to say a big shout-out to Kevin Love, my homie. Uh, thank you for reposting my IG picture of Keyshawn Johnson wearing a UCLA jersey. And to people who are just waking up right now, watching our show, listening to us in the car, uh, Keyshawn and Zubin lost a bet to me for picking the Mavericks over the Clippers. Zubin had to wear a do-rag. You saw that two days ago. It was a red do-rag, and the hair is laid down beautifully right now. It's I do fresh. have to admire I have to that, admit, Zubin. It's pretty fresh. Yes. It's fresh. And, uh, and seeing... Seeing Keyshawn, seeing Key wear a UCLA jersey, if you guys at home, if you're watching on ESPN News, please take as many pictures as possible of Key, and let's spread them all over the internet so every time he Googles himself, he can see a picture of himself in a UCLA jersey. Thank you. That's all I have to say. And if we only had the thought bubble above Key's they don't head even right they, they don't even have people <laughs> with my attitude on the campus, so it doesn't matter. So Key had an unbelievable amount of <laughs> so swag. Soft. Unbelievable so soft. Oh, wow. Soft. Everybody on UCLA's campus is soft now. Soft. Wow. He had some swag, as did our next guest, Pro Football Hall of Famer. The great Ed Reed is joining us this morning on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. And first thing here, Ed, uh, Key wanted me to ask you if you remember maybe lining up against <laughs> Key. Any kind of little memorable moments as you guys stared across the line of scrimmage at one another, Ed? Say it again, man. I'm sorry, man. You got a lot of stuff going on over here. Oh, no worries. So, <laughs> Key, my partner here, Keyshawn, was wondering uh, if you ever stood across from him at the line of scrimmage uh, on a snap, something you kind of remember as you were trying to lock him up and he was trying to run by you. And he, he, and he said he put you in the dirt, man. Man, don't be listening to this, man. <laughs> we, had to, we, had to make, we had to make sure Keyshawn was double, man. What's up, by the way, everybody? Um, but we had to make sure he was double, man. Keyshawn was a hassle. Man, thank you for that comment, but we knew where you were at at all times. Trust me. That that Oh, it, yeah. It, that it, was a must. Yeah, man, a that. must. I'm like, dude, <laughs> if you don't throw it behind me, I'll be okay. Because Ed was he was so deep in the field and he would get a head start, you know, and and at that point coming across the middle, it's not a lot of, a lot of players that wanted to go across the middle against 20. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Uh when you look at you look at Baltimore and where they're at right now, and what they're doing with everything and the message that they sent out, Ed, about 
you know, the unjust and everything and, and supporting Black Lives Matter. Is this the organization that you remember? Um, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, actually, I'm still in contact and still work with Baltimore in the city of Baltimore. Baltimore did always done a lot of um, things in the city, you know, and um, encouraged us to do things in the community. You know, that's the first thing I did when I got to Baltimore was start my foundation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised what they're doing. Um, obviously, we, we, we as people, as organizations, can't do enough. You know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, I'm glad to see where they're at. And um, this this is Jay Will from Duke, right? Yeah. What's up, Ed? How you doing, man? What's up, bro? I mean, look, bro, I, I commend you, man, big time just on just on the words and encouragement and, and just speaking your mind, bro, um, for what you do, man. You know, you guys keep it up. You know what I'm saying? But you, you inspire a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? And also bring a lot of information to folk, bro. So I just wanted to commend you on what you've been doing, man. Thanks, Ed. I really appreciate it, man. You had an incredible career. Obviously, I've heard Keyshawn rave about you. I've had some other friends that have raved about you, too, as a as a person, as a human being, man. I, I have to ask, you know, your former coach, John Harbaugh, uh, said free the Big Ten the other day. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you think the Big Ten should do? Man, if they're taking notes, you know, uh, or communicating with other colleges that are up and running, us being one of them, you know, it does take a lot, you know, and I'm not sure if everybody's equipped or even wants to deal with the process, you know, of um, dealing with this COVID. Um, We test every week. Um, It's going up to like two or three tests a week. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of stuff you got to do with your players, um, trying to, trying to keep them from, um, you know, um, going out there with, 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 with the regular students and, and partying and getting themselves in a situation where they can't play. You know, I'm not sure if their uh, facilities are suited for it. You know, so it's, it's a lot of things you got to factor in. You know, I would tell them to, to be cautious like they're doing. You know, if, if you, you feel like it, it's not going to work, then, you know, don't do it. You know, that's really in anything. You know what I'm saying? If it's not going to work for you, man, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know, so I don't know, man. I, I think that, that they're going about it the right way by just being patient. Yeah. Lamar, Lamar Jackson, MVP from last season, um, when you look at him from a year ago, what steps will he need to take to kind of have a repeat performance? Oh, man. Um, you know, obviously you got to have the, the weapons around you, um, the line, you know, I think, I think if they just continue to get better at the things that they were doing good, you know, they'll be all right. Um, I think you got to stick with the running game more. I think if they would have stuck with the running game more, you know, they would have been fine. I think in the playoffs, they just kind of got away from the whole play, um, the playbook that they had all season. You know what I'm saying? You you go back in that game and you look at what they were doing. It was not the it was not the same game plan. You know, I know you could say Mark Ingram was out and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think he needs to press and try to do too much more. You know, understand as a leader that you have a lot of people around you, a lot of players around you that you should use. Yeah. You know, 
I used to watch a lot of Duke basketball, being that I'm a North Carolina fan, you know what I'm saying? So I know how it is working together. Hey, let me ask you this, Ed. So, <laughs> me hey, don't you, worry, Ed. I got, I got Keyshawn up here in a UCLA jersey. He's sick to his stomach right now, man. Yeah, this don't this don't feel yeah, good at all. Don't feel good at all. Let me ask you this, though, Ed. So, you and I have both been in the locker rooms, and we know how intense football can be. Earl Thomas decided to get into a little bit of a scuffle, something that we've seen, right? He got into a little scuffle with Chuck Clark, uh, his teammate at the Ravens, and he was released. Does he have anything left in the tank? And if so, how come he's still on the streets? Um, I think he do. Um, but at the same time, man, in, in, in this business, you know, they tend to push the older guys out at times. Um, he's also in a he's in a position for his timing where, you know, teams already had their rosters. You know, they already kind of know, you know, that if they can perform or uh, do all right with the people they have, you know, and if they don't get no injuries, they're probably not picking anybody up. Um, when you have things going on in the off season, off the field, that affects it, man. You know, people looking at that. Mm-hmm. You know, they also looking at where we at in our career. You know, as far as the position you played, how many hits, concussions, all that factor in. You know, they start to think about you different when you're on the tail end of your career. You know, you know that as well as I do. Yeah. You know, yeah. What I'm saying so. You got to be cautious, man. The, the 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 decisions you make, no matter how old you are. You know what I'm saying? No matter how old you are, man. You know, Preach. and it's a business. Yeah. Ed Reed, Pro Football Hall of Famer, joining us here on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Uh, Ed, tell us another reason why you are on with us today. Man, I'm on with y'all because, you know, this season, Snickers have brought back the Hungriest Player Program for the 2021 NFL season. And um, I'm actually here with the chain right now, the Snickers chain that they came up with, like turnover chain being that I'm in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, this, this Snickers chain, you know what I'm saying, will, will, will be given to one of the players that display that, you know, that hunger for the game. You know what I'm saying? Just what you're talking about, how me, you, and Jay Will played, you know, when, in our sports, man. You know, that hunger we had was always displayed on the court. You know what I'm saying? That competitiveness that you show, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm doing, man. I'm here with Snickers. The fans can go to – Snickers chain on social media, you know, to, to win rewards and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, here with Snickers, man. Some that used to be that used to be the number one my number one trick or treat candy. <laughs> <laughs> so Marshawn had the Skittles and Ed Reed is all about Snickers and we wanted to mention your Miami Hurricanes. I know you're the chief of staff there. You kind of mentioned them throughout the interview. They'll open the season a week from today against the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Good luck with Manny Diaz and company and really appreciate you joining us this morning, Ed. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ed. No doubt, man. You guys be blessed, bro. Uh-huh. Good stuff. Yes, Hall love. of Famer. See, they had to double me. Hey, yeah. <laughs> he said it. He said it. Just don't throw up behind me. Just don't <laughs> throw up behind me. That's a bad deal, man. When that ball comes behind you... You might as well counsel Christmas. Hey, big shout out to Ed, though. Like I, you know, a lot of players that Key and I meet, Zubin, I'm sure you meet them too. You see guys that make money, uh, guys that live that lifestyle. But when you see guys dedicate 
a lot of their time to giving back to the communities to help the next mm-hmm. achieve their dreams. It's really special, man. Ed has done a lot of that over a lot, his career. A lot, a lot of the Miami Hurricane players, though, go back in, into their communities and help. Uh, it, a lot of them do that. It's, it's it, Whatever it was, the culture at the U prior to now, well, that they, now. They, they got it right. They no got question it right. about it. Much more Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Looks pretty, hey. huh? South Street Seaport. We're on Lower Manhattan. Another great day. It rained a little bit early this morning. Did it? It did rain a little bit early this morning. But we're ready to go. Pier 17. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin coming up top of the hour. We'll talk to our Rockets insider on what could be next for Houston. They got Keys Lakers tomorrow, game 190 Eastern ESPN. What you mean, what could be next? What are you talking about? Breaking out the broom. It's about to be an L next. I don't know if it's a broom, but I think Houston's going to take an L. And what's next for the Thunder? We'll talk to our Royce Young, who covers the team 24-7, 365, has for years on a devastating loss. But they got a lot of draft picks waiting Chris Paul doesn't look 35 at all, does he, J-Will? No, and by the way, like this was supposed to be a throwaway year for this team. Nobody expected them to play the way they played. I mean, they, they, they led the league in clutch fourth-quarter points. That goes to show you how great of a trio Dennis Schroeder, you think about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and also CP3. CP3 at 35 to play the way he's playing right now. I mean, his last year of his deal, he's going to be 38 years old, mm-hmm. making $41 million. But if he showed you anything this whole year, he's like fine wine right now. Dude was cooking. That's Getting all I can say. With age, and I would also mention, look, from a hoop standpoint real quick, Sam Presti gets the benefit of the doubt. The Thunder GM gets the benefit of the doubt. He drafts great players oh, yeah. left and right, and they got plenty He's coming. like that wine that Keyshawn had last let, night. Let, yeah. What kind of wine? What, what, what we man, had last I was, Come I was, on now. Tell us now. Too much, man. Come um, on, man. I want to hear about this no, wine. Let me ask you this, though. It, when they traded for CP3, they actually tried to move him again, but they couldn't unload the salary, right? Oh, I said again, my producer was talking in my ear while you were talking to me, so I didn't hear you. <laughs> when they <laughs> traded for CP3, they tried to move him a second time, but they couldn't dump him. They couldn't move him because OKC, of the salary, yeah, right? Yeah, OKC tried to move him. They were so, looking for uh, lures on the, on the trade asset market, but they couldn't find one. So yes. now they get stuck with a guy who takes him to the second round of the playoffs after they decided, oh, we might want to move on from this. Yeah, but by the way, to his credit, I mean, he really bought in. No, he I mean, did. It would, it would have been really easy for CP3 to be disgruntled, not to be a professional. But, I mean, he led – Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he was part of the whole trade from the Clippers. 
you know, remember that he got drafted by the Clippers and then him coming over. So CP3 saying, hey, Dennis Schroeder, Shea, I got you guys. Like, let's do this together. That, that says volumes about his character. No question about I need it. him. I want him to win a championship, though. You know, he's one of those guys that you root for to win a championship. I just don't think it's going to happen at OKC. Right, that's, at that's 35. The, yeah, that's the it's only thing. definitely not going to happen there. And so, you know, take a pay cut and come on home, man. We, we, we got you in the purple and gold. We'll figure it out. Quick college football talk coming up in 30 seconds. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Indeed. If the next step for your business is finding a high-impact hire, try Indeed. Their flexible payment options mean better bang for your buck with no long-term contracts. Indeed will even give you a $75 credit for your first sponsored job post at Indeed.com slash high-impact. Terms and conditions apply. We just got a couple minutes here. Jamie Newman, Georgia's quarterback. He was a graduate transfer from Wake Forest. This is going to be a great opportunity for him to get some shine. He's essentially pulled out of the season due to COVID. Justin Fields, who had transferred from Georgia to Ohio State, was seen hanging around the football Because of program. racist remarks, correct? He did leave, yes. There okay. was a baseball player at the University of Georgia that had hurled a racial epithet at him. Mm-hmm. As a result of that, he was allowed to leave and then had the transfer waiver granted immediately because of a hardship situation with that. Bottom line, starting quarterback position is open at Georgia. Fields is in the Big Ten. Who's not playing right now? Connect the dots. No, no, no connection. Justin Fields, don't go to Georgia and try to play one season. Get ready for the damn draft. Yeah, why, well, why that, go there? That's not even – I wouldn't even put that out there. I wouldn't even have a conversation with him if I'm Georgia. I wouldn't have a conversation if I'm Ohio State. The first thing I would be saying is – Get your little butt ready for the draft. We're not going to play football the earliest. We may come back as around Thanksgiving. We want you to go make some money, opt out, hire an agent, and go play football. Now, interesting thing about everybody opting out, uh, there's going to be some – they got to figure out these rules, right? Are you – can you hire an agent and still keep your eligibility to graduate? Or you opt out and don't hire an agent and still get your stipend and all the – it's all these little murky things – that's going on with this opting out. Coming up top of the hour, inside both locker rooms, the wildest Game 7 we've seen. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.